And good morning. Welcome back to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. On the phone with me now is legendary NBA baller Alonzo Mourning. It's our pleasure to welcome Alonzo Mourning to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, Alonzo, let me ask you this now. As a former NBA baller, what does it feel like to walk on the court in the NBA and you're playing with and against some of the most elite athletes in the world? What does that feel like? You walk onto the hardwood. What is that experience like? Well, I mean, we're the best uh, in the world at what we do. You know, you got over 400, a little over 400 of the best basketball players in the world. So uh, you have to keep yourself in extremely good shape. The game is at a very fast pace. You know, athletes are bigger and stronger and faster, you know, so it requires uh, a lot of mental and physical focus and toughness uh, for you to perform each and every night, you know, because uh, regardless of what team's records are, uh, you can get beat against anybody on any given night regardless of what team's records are. So you can't take anybody for granted, you know. So uh, it's in your typical weekend warrior type of thing where you just go out and lace them up and just go out and run around and have a good time. This is very, very serious. And um, athletes play above the rim, and they play at a very high level, you know. So uh, each and every night you got to uh, prepare yourself accordingly. And uh, it's more than just lacing them up, you know. We, uh, we lift weights. We stretch. We go through a stretching regimen. We got to practice and work on that game, and continue to keep it as sharp as possible. So uh, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, it's not just like I said. It's not just about walking in the gym. Is it a lot of pressure? Yeah, you know, then you get pressure uh, situations where you got to make decisions and you got to make them quick. And you got to make the right decisions. Otherwise, you're gonna make a mistake. You know, and that mistake could cost your team. Um, and winning the game, winning can decide whether or not your team wins or lose the game. You know, so uh, all of that plays a factor and a role in it. You know, and um, it's important that you are mentally and physically focused every time you step out there on the court. Okay, now let me ask you this. Now, I read somewhere that in junior high school you were already like six four, and you were taller than the teachers and principal, yeah. and, and 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 people told you you should play basketball, but you tried out, and you admit that you were kind of clumsy and awkward at first and would kind of yeah. tease at first. I have a hard time believing that someone would tease someone that's 6'4". That's just me. But um, tell us about that. Yeah, well, at 6'4", I was awkward and I was clumsy and I was laughed at. You know, I was skinny mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't play basketball well at all. And um, on my junior high school team, I didn't start at all You know, because I, I was not that good. And a guy in front of me uh, that was about I think it was about six one. His name's James Reap, and uh, never forget him. You know, he he played in front of me. He was much better than I was. And then um, the next year, when I turned fourteen, uh, I ended up starting for my JV team, and uh, I ended up getting better. I worked on my game. I got better, and I got better. In my ninth grade year, I started for the varsity team, and uh, I never looked back from there. You know, so. Uh, it's been a process, you know, so, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, that are participating in any type of athletics don't get discouraged, you know, because uh, work, time, and effort uh, creates progress. It's one of the things that I, I did, you know, I continue to work at it, and I put the time in it, and I put the effort in it, you know, I worked on my game, and uh, good things happened. And in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to former NBA baller, the legendary Alonzo Mourning. Now, Alonzo, what many people may not know about you is that you spent years in the foster care system. Tell us about the circumstances that led you into the foster care system. 
Well, the circumstances that led to that, you know, my mother and father, you know, they were having um, some marital uh, complications. And uh, like many couples do today as we speak, you know, they have complications. And I was the only child at the time, you know, and I was stuck in the middle of whether or not, you know, I wanted to be with my mother or my father. And in a way, you know, my response to what was going on was rebellion. So I rebelled. Eight, nine, ten years old, you know, you don't know anything. Your your emotions kind of take over, you know, as far as you just making those particular type, those particular decisions based on what your your parents are going through, because you really don't understand it at that stage in your life, you know. So, uh, like I said, my response was to rebel to get the attention that I needed, and then uh, finally, you know, my mother and father they separated uh, eventually, and uh, I had to go through the court procedures and decide uh, who's going to have custody of me, you know, and I told the judge, I, you know, I didn't want to be with either one of them. They ended up keeping me in the foster care system, and they kept me in a group home for, for a good period of time. At the same time, my mother and father, they still visited me. Then eventually, they gave me some options of visiting possible families that I, I would want to stay with. So I had an opportunity to visit a couple of families, you know, and I visited the family of Fanny Three. I uh, enjoyed the atmosphere, I enjoyed the love that was there, and I decided to spend the rest of my life there from that standpoint, you know. So uh, when I was 12 years old, that's when I moved into, uh, right before I turned 13, that's when I moved into Miss Three's home. At the same time, I still kept in contact with my uh, with my biological parents. Uh, I was very close to them. They came to visit me and everything, and um, I still didn't didn't want to choose because I loved them both dearly. Now let's talk about the adjustment period. Um, was it a, did you have to make a lot of adjustment? Was it difficult to make the adjustment in the foster home? You talked about how loving the home was, but still was there this adjustment period that we hear kids talk about. Well, the adjustment was just adapting to that loving environment. Everyone there welcomed me with open arms. So I had brothers and sisters I had never had before. And, um, it was just a loving, close environment, you know. So it didn't take much to get used to that pretty that much, that environment because when you're a kid and you had seen and gone through what I had gone through, that's all you're looking for. You're looking for some love, some hope, some encouragement, and you just want a comfortable environment where you can just be a kid and grow and develop. Now, if you don't mind me asking, how's your relationship with your birth family today, your parents? They're great. They're great. Uh, matter of fact, my father's coming down to Miami next week, so... Yeah, they're great. Uh, I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't be any better. It's like we really hadn't missed a beat. Now, let me ask you this now. Based on your experience in foster care, uh, what advice would you give to children that are out there listening this morning that may be in foster care that may feel like their situation is hopeless? Well, my advice to them is, you know, understand that the foster care system is not a degrading. A lot of people, when they say, oh, you know, you were a foster child, you know, people want to hide the fact that they were. There's nothing degrading about it. I think it's a good thing that you can find a family that loves you and they want you in their lives. And they want to be a part of your growth and development. You know, And I think you should look at it as a good thing and try to kind of take advantage of it. Put your focus on understanding that you have a new life. You got a new life. You got a new opportunity to succeed. And the good thing about it is you got somebody that loves you, you know, and that cares for you, you know, and it's providing a home for you. 
So look at it as a positive. Don't look at it as a negative. And uh, at the same time, put your focus on things that you want to do that will help you succeed in life, you know. And this all starts in school. And I did what I had to do in school. You know, I had great friends. And and I did what I had to do in school to get my grades, you know, and, and to try to create some opportunities for myself in life. And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're speaking to former NBA standout Alonzo Mourning. For more information on Alonzo Mourning, you can go to our Facebook page. Just go to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear and like us there. You'll find out more information about Alonzo. Now, Alonzo, tell us about your charity. Going through what I've gone through as a child, you know, I understood the importance of giving because without the things that were given to me throughout my developmental stages as a child, I wouldn't be in a position I'm in today, whether it be the time that coaches gave me, the time that teachers gave me, Miss Three giving me an opportunity to be a part of her family and give me the love and the hope that I needed at that particular time. Uh, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today, you know. So I decided to choose organizations that supported those particular elements, you know, the giving elements, you know. So the Children's Home Society for Abused and Neglected Children has been a huge beneficiary of my foundation. They create uh, programs for kids, mentorship programs for kids. Um, They also provide a safe haven for children as well, and they find families for children. They find better education atmospheres for kids in group homes and things of that nature. So the Children's Home Society, you know, they're doing a tremendous job for children and families. Uh, As well as the 100 Black Men, Uh, this is another organization for young black African-American men that create after-school mentorship programs for young kids. And then I have a youth center that was built and donated by a gentleman by the name of Marty Margulies. And they have an educational building as well, over 20,000 square feet with a computer lab and, and all these things. Well, he built the facility, and I was responsible for filling it with all the things that it needed and uh, making sure that it's financially viable each and every year. And now my budget for that is about $1.4 million a year to keep that running. And we cater to about uh, close to 200 kids on a daily basis with with after-school programming for kids. And it's all a part of my foundation, Alonzo Morning Charities. You can find out more about what we do because we're an event-driven organization. And we do events all year long to raise uh, funds uh, for all of those organizations at um, lawsofmorningcharities.com or ZSG, Z as in Zoo, S as in Sam, G as in Great, dot com. And uh, ZSG's Old Summer Groove is my flagship event that I'll be doing this year for the 10th year in a row. You know, we try to do our part, you know, to create a positive atmosphere for young young kids and families and what have you. And try to teach people how to give, you know, because giving is probably the most impactful gesture in this whole world. Now, let me ask you this, Alonzo. You had the opportunity to speak, I'm sure, through your foundation to many young boys. What is it that you say to young boys? Many of them, so many of them want to be in the NBA or want to be in the NFL. But the reality is, is that most of them won't make it. What is it that you say to these young people without diminishing their dreams? You know, first of all, I just want to let them know and uh, about this statistic. You got millions of people around the world who, as we speak today, are playing the game of basketball. As we speak, they're playing. Young kids, they're playing outside on courts and gyms everywhere. They're working on their games. They're dribbling, they're shooting, and what have you. Millions. There are about 420, a little over that, NBA basketball players. 
So you got millions and millions of basketball players, young basketball players, dreamers, and you only have 420 NBA professional basketball players. Now, that narrows your chances down tremendously. Now, I'm not telling you to not work on your game and play the game or basketball because it's an incredible team sport. Uh, and I think there are other qualities that you can develop in playing basketball and camaraderie and things, teamwork and things of that nature that, that are very important uh, to carry with you in life. But understand that there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to play professional basketball. You know, there is a guarantee that you can get your education. There is a guarantee that you can get jobs that might be associated with professional sports. Well, you can be an athletic trainer. You know, you can be a photographer, a sports photographer. You can be a broadcaster. Uh, you can be a team doctor. Uh, you might not be able to play the game, but you can do and educate yourself. You can do things that are associated with the, with professional sports, and it all comes through education. You can own a team. Like but my like my friend Bob Johnson does. He used to own BET. Now he owns the Charlotte Bobcats. You know, I had dinner with him the other night. You know, incredible individual. I mean, there, and he was never an NBA basketball player, <laughs> but he's an incredible businessman. You know, and the reason why he is who he is is because he educated himself. You know, so uh, that is a guarantee that you can do what you can in the classroom to educate yourself to give you better opportunities and give you a better statistical opportunity to succeed in life than it would be playing professional sports because there's a small percentage of individuals playing professional sports. All right, and with that, we're out of time. Alonzo Morning, if our listeners would like to find out more about your foundation, again, what's the website address? You can go to alonzomorningcharities.com or you can go to zsg.com, zosummergroove.com. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We've been speaking to the legendary NBA baller, Alonzo Mourning. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine right after this.